everyone. I'm so excited to uh, introduce this next guest. This next guest, uh, for those of you that have heard me talk about French Woods ad nauseum, is the one you can blame for it. Um, when I first started working there, I had asked on a Facebook group that I was a part of if there was a um, something new and different I can do for the summer as a music director, and he suggested French Woods. And um, I've been working there ever since, and we've been friends ever since. And I, he's one of the only people that you have to use all three of his names in order to introduce him or speak with him. So it gives me great pleasure to introduce the man, the myth, the legend, and the brilliantly talented Chris Brett Davis. Hello and welcome. Hi, what an intro. I don't know if, I'll ever, <laughs> if anyone will ever quite introduce me as well. I'll follow you around and just introduce <laughs> you to a room every time. It's fine. <laughs> So you, sir, are doing so many things. I think what's so fun to watch, and thank God for Facebook and Instagram, is that we travel some of the same circles and are about 700-ish, maybe a little less, miles apart. But we've worked with some of the same people. We've done a lot of the same shows. And I think we've only worked on one show together, which was a cabaret. I don't even think we did anything at camp together. It sure was, yeah. I think everything, the first year at camp, everything that you did, I was, I literally thought I was going to vomit if I had to do by myself. And I think you did a very scaled down version of Beauty and the Beast, which was amazing. Um, did you do mm-hmm. Music Man that year? What was that? Did you do Music Man that year? I don't remember what happened that year. So what happened is, so it's so crazy because you were, you came to Frenchwood. My second and what ultimately ended up being kind of my last summer because that was also the summer that I started working at Sandy. That's right. So I did first session and left to go and do my first show at Sandy. And then while I was home uh, doing, it was Adida with my first musical in 2015. Um, And while I was home, I got an offer to do kind of a remount of Into the Rainbow. Oh, that's right. Judy Garland piece that I am obsessed with. And I had done, like, right in going into my first summer at Frenchwoods the prior year. And um, this company in Highlands, North Carolina, called me and they were like, hey, we want to remount this show. And they had hired the same Judy and she had said, there's only one pianist that I would that I want to play for me, and so that I was. That's amazing. <laughs> um, and so I ended up not going back that year, and just because the summer is so involved at CRMB, and even more so than it used to be, because we used to not start until July, and now, I mean, my contract starts in February, and it ends in September, um, so I'm not as able to take things elsewhere during the summer right. as I used to be. Now, are you, you're in Carolina or you're in Georgia? I'm in Georgia. Okay. So this was just a company that, um, I, it's so crazy. I had actually met the artistic director, like, right after, it was, it was right after I came back from French Woods in 2014, I played the Georgia Theater Conference pre-screens for Unified. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was one of the adjudicators and he just casually mentioned to me, you know, like, Hey, I heard about this production of the end of the rainbow that happened at Actors Express. Did you happen to see it? And I was, and I said, 
see it, I worked on it. I, <laughs> I played Keys too in the show, but because of the production that we did, Keys too ended up playing the two biggest songs for Judy and me and Tara show them in the Gutaway and Summer Over the Rainbow. And I was like, I actually know Natasha who played, Natasha Drana, who played um, Judy Garland. And I was like, I know her very well. I have done a number of things with her since. And so then that was like, that was the last I heard of it. I forgot they they were doing it. I forgot about the company because I was going to be a fan being friends with. And then just randomly one day on Facebook got a message. Hey, are you interested in doing this? And it worked out that I think Avita closed on Sunday and End of the Rainbow was going to start on Tuesday. Wow. It was just kind of a no-brainer. And it was really good money. The most I had ever made at that point in my life. That's awesome. I was like, I would be dumb to not do this. Right? That's awesome. You are doing amazing. You've worked with some of Broadway's best, some of the voices best. Like, you've worked with amazing people. There's a recording that I have that you sent me years ago of um, a song that I'm obsessed with but have never found the right four people or three other people to sing it with. And you sang it with Rachel Potter, I believe. Is that right? That sounds right. Oh, yes. And I'm obsessed with it. So can you... How did you meet her? How did you... How did that come about? Tell me everything. So it's the craziest story because I have been the Rachel Potter super fan from day one. Um, (laughs) I don't know if you have seen this Defying Gravity video that she has. Uh, I think she just, like, re-released it. Um, It's her standing in a studio. She's got on a white... uh, Laser and it's buttoned and like on it. I'm telling you, I'm full on like stalker level super fan of Rachel Potter. And that, so I saw that when I was in high school. And then just sort of like followed her career with like, oh, there's her wood, this, this, this. Um, and then one day in 2013, it was, uh, I think it had to have been a Wednesday through, Wednesday, Sunday, because I was in the pit playing for a show. Um, I got a text from an actor that I had grown up working with that I had just reconnected with doing a cabaret similar to the one that we met on. Um, he texted me and said, hey, I have this audition. Do you think you could play for me? And I said, of course. Uh, what's it for? Just being nosy, honestly. <laughs> and he was like, it's for this production of Spring Awakening uh, at this theater in Florida. And he was like, yeah, Rachel Potter's going to play Venla. And I was like, Reach, stop, what do you say? Because <laughs> the number one thing that I had heard since graduating high school was you've got to be in Spring Awakening before you die. Because type-wise, I'm right for that show. I I'm, can sing pop rock musical theater. I'm doing hard air quotes right now. Um, <laughs> I can sing pop rock musical theater. So, And like I've got curly hair. And I actually have been up against Brian Charles Johnson for a role a couple of years prior at the New York Musical Theater Festival. And so I was like, oh, great. I'm so right for that show. I'm going to submit, too. And then I did my research. And the company had said something on their website. And they were like, you know, we will look at video submissions if we have to, but we prefer to see people in person. And so I was like, oh, well, then I guess I won't put together a video. And so... Uh, the guy's name, 
I believe I have a sister named Chase Peacock. He was on her first Christmas album. Yes. As well. Um, he came over to record his audition and he was like, so did you send your stuff in? And I said, you know, they're not really accepting videos. And he said, well, if you don't submit it, you can't get cast. Ooh. And he was like, because there is that chance where like they will watch videos. And if you don't have a video there for them to watch, then you're definitely not getting cast. Right. And I was like, okay, you're right, you're right. And so I, while he was there, I had my like computer hooked up to my uh, to garage band on my computer, and I recorded myself playing for him because he was singing from the show. And I was like, I'll just use the same track and use <laughs> my recording playing for him for myself. And so he left, and then I recorded my audition video. And like in hindsight, I've gone back and looked at the video, and it's like in my kitchen. I've made no pretense that I'm anywhere else. You can see, like, the nails on the counter. There's, like, some pizza boxes on the floor because that's all we ate. Um, and then I submitted my headshot and resume and my audition video, and I went to lunch with my friend Katie. And then I guess we had, it had maybe been, like, an hour and a half since I had submitted. And my phone rang, and it said, I, like, didn't recognize the number, so it was just a bunch of numbers, and then it said St. Petersburg, Florida. And I was like what do you mean, St. Petersburg, Florida? So I picked up the phone, and uh, the managing director at the time said, hey, uh, so we got your stuff for Spring Awakening. We're very interested. We also noticed on your resume that it says you have music directing experience. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, can you talk to me about that a little bit? And I kind of gave him my, like, spiel. And at this point, I haven't really done that much professional music directing. It had been mostly, like, community theaters. Right. Um, and Broadway Dreams, and so he was like, cool, can you send me some, ref- like, if you have any references with you, like, playing, or, like, recordings about references, any recordings of you playing, or, like, things that you directed, that would be great. Turns out I had just done this cabaret with a bunch of, like, Atlanta's finest. Um, a lot of people that were at the cabaret that we did together, actually. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, turns out I do. And so I sent him the stuff, and then I was sitting in the pit that night. I was playing Jazz and Chaperone. It was my first professional gig playing in as a musician in Atlanta. And it was like five till curtain, and my phone rang <laughs> to Gettysburg, Florida. Um, and I picked up the phone, and they were like, yeah, so we, want, we would like to offer you both uh, John and Jen, which was the musical that was about to come up, and then uh, Spring Awakening. And... This, 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 and then, like, the numbers thing happened, and I was like, cool, great, I'm there. And then I got to meet Rachel, and it was insane. Because wow. Because she is, they say don't meet your, like, heroes, but she's one of my best friends now. Because That's she's one awesome. of the most, I mean, like, she's a really fierce, talented woman, and she is fully aware that she is fierce and talented, so, like, she has no problem sticking up for herself, but just, somebody who is very giving and generous and I would do anything for her. Like I would record stuff for her album the day that it has to be finished. Cause I love her so much. <laughs> That's amazing. That's so awesome. Yeah. She's wonderful. I love her. We're she- trying to find a way to work together in 2019. So fingers That's crossed. So cl- uh, listen, I have all my fingers crossed for you. So, you, you also are not just 
a pianist, you also play multiple instruments and are a boss singer. So what what jump-started your music career or your literal need for having music in your life all the time? Because that's where you're at now. <laughs> so, yeah, it, I mean, it's crazy. Uh, I actually don't really remember, only because I'm getting so old. No, I'm just kidding. And I, there's going to be another people that are like, you're not old. So I'm like, rude. well, I feel bad. I feel old. Um, I don't really remember not having music in my life. Because mm-hmm. um, I started probably when I was like five, just like busting around on the piano and like figuring out melodies and just being like, oh, mm-hmm. I don't have to know how to read music because I didn't even know what that was. Right. But like, I knew enough to know that if I played these notes in this order every single time, it would make music. Um, so we moved shortly, like, I was like five or six when we moved. And then it was the beginning of second grade. I finally got to start taking piano lessons. Um, and in hindsight, now that I have some perspective and I'm not seven years old anymore, um, I started playing, like, specials in church because I grew up in a Baptist church. Oh, yes. Playing, like, the offertory, um, like, three weeks after I started playing the piano. Um, and I, was, I think I played, and I remember it was Angels We Have Heard on High, and I was playing the melody in the right hand and some chords in the left hand. <laughs> and then it just kind of took off from there. I started accompanying my school choir when I was in the fifth grade. Okay. Um, <laughs> like most fifth graders, I know. Yeah, I mean, of course. Some <laughs> uh, and then I, my twin brother actually plays, well, in our heyday, he played the most instruments of all of us. Because we... Um, my twin brother played guitar. That was his first instrument of choice because if I played piano, he had to play guitar. I like Sprite. He likes Coke because we're the exact, we're like the parallels of each other. Not parallels. What's it called? The, we're the exact opposites of each other. That's hilarious. Um, so he was in a bluegrass band and they needed someone to sing and to play upright bass. Oh, wow. So I started doing that. And then in the sixth grade... I went and visited my cousins, and one of them had, like, used my mom's viola from when my mom was a little girl. Um, While she was in college to, like, I guess she had to, like, learn a string instrument. She has has a degree in music. And um, I went to the next little, like, bluegrass gathering that we went to one Sunday after church, and I recognized the middle school orchestra teacher from my middle school and I walked up to her and I was like I have this violin but I don't know what to do with it um (laughs) she was like well you should join the orchestra and so I went to the guidance counselors and I was like I want to switch to orchestra and of course most sixth graders don't come in wanting to do chorus and then wanting to do orchestra so they were like are you sure this is what you want to (laughs) do That's um, funny. But I did. And so I actually was not in choir again until high school. Um, because I wasn't allowed to do both in middle school. Don't you hate that, though? They limit yeah, you. Yeah, and I just... Oh, yeah. No, I first... Like, because there was no reason for me to not be in chorus and orchestra. They were not in conflicting periods. 
Um, and I just would have been, I will say though, I did take three semesters of computer while I was in middle school. And still to this day, I can type like 97 words a minute. So with like a 95% accuracy. So I'm not mad that I wasn't allowed to take chorus and orchestra, but like it would have been really cool. So you're just essentially brilliant. Like, why lie here? <laughs> I mean, we might as well just go with it. <laughs> I would say that I like, I, I work really hard, and so it's very, very hard to, uh, I don't know, I guess I just don't necessarily, I'm not too familiar with failure. I'm so, more like, even if it's new, I'm going to figure out how to do it, because that's better than not doing it. So for those of us keeping track at home, you're brilliant. Awesome. Good. I, I'll say it. You don't have to. It's okay. fine. I, I, I will take it. I will say it. <laughs> so one of, the, one of the great things about getting to do this podcast and getting to interview people um, that I know or wish to know or have admired for a really long time is when you get to interview someone that... Um, you met doing your first job that now you love to do, you've been doing it for five years, that inspired you from the first day of starting that job, which, by the way, and I know I've talked about it on this podcast many times, working at Frenchwoods is like, I don't even know how to explain it any other way, but this is going to sound like a really violent explanation. It's like putting a whole bunch of things in a blender that don't go well together, blending them up, and having to figure out how to make them be pleasing to whoever you serve it to. And French Woods is a great place, but it's like you have all these different personalities from different countries, from different states, from different family backgrounds, different ages, that you all have to get along, and you all have to... You get stuck with a music director if you're the assistant, or you get stuck with an assistant as the music director that doesn't necessarily work like you do, or play like you do, or teach Mm -hmm. like you do, that you have to figure out how to teach a show in eight days. And I remember sitting in our first series of auditions, and we were in um, call, we were in uh, casting, and I can't really say too much about casting, so I'll get in trouble. Mm-hmm. But I remember, <laughs> I was working on 42nd Street, and I don't remember what you were working on at the time. It may have been Music Man or Beauty and the Beast or something. Beauty and the Beast, and, well, oh, it was Music Man. That's right. Beauty and the Beast and Music Man. So I remember, I was doing Sister Act and Beauty and the Beast, and I remember, no, I wasn't. I was doing Sister Act and 42nd Street. And I remember looking like a deer mm-hmm. in headlights because casting is one of those interesting moments, and that's all I'll leave it at. And you, we had I pizza. people all the time. There is nothing like that Frenchwoods casting session. No, nothing like it. It's okay. hilarious. Like, it, it feels like the world fighting championship of theater. Yes, it really is. It's the Hunger Games for theater, truly. It's so great. I love it, though. And so I remember it was my first time looking like a deer in headlights, like not sure what's happening. And it's like this big Wimbledon tennis match of who's going to answer what questions and blah, blah, blah. And you, we had pizza and the pizza was behind me and you came up behind me and you said to me, you're going to be fine. Buckle up. Relax. And I was like, I don't know what that means. That was so abstract. And so the... And I didn't get it. And so then I realized the next day you have rehearsal at 8 or 7 o'clock, 8.30, whatever, in the morning. And these kids show up ready to be taught half the show in one day. And I got to rehearsal Mm -hmm. and went, oh, 
it's, okay, I get it. This is terrifying, but I can do this. And so every day I would see you and you would go, you're fine. It's okay. This is normal. You will be fine. And I think if it were not for you, that first year would have been at least multiple nervous breakdowns. So it was really fun to be able to work with somebody that got it before I even knew you, if that makes sense. Well, I am glad that I said such nice things because um, those 8, 8.30, 9 a.m., whatever time those rehearsals are during the summer at Frenchwood, it might, well, it might as well be 5 a.m. Yeah. Because it's so early in the day, so the fact that I was able to muster up, like, any kindness when, like, I'm normally asleep until well afternoon. <laughs> and I work outdoors. Right. For the most part, so... We're definitely not doing anything. So once the show's running, we're not doing anything until it's dark outside. That's fair. So uh, the fact that I was up before noon being nice to people, that's nice to hear. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Frenchwoods is a crazy, crazy experience. And I tell people all the time, especially because I was at West University in this uh, music director for musical theater program, and I told, I tell everyone that is a music director that's trying to like get more experience or just wants to get better at what they do. I tell them go to Frenchwoods because there is nothing that will whip you into shape or make you realize what is important in a rehearsal process faster mm-hmm. than having ten minutes to teach one day more. Yes, from Raymond. Or actually, no, I won't say one day more because I didn't. I never worked on my Miss Frenchwoods, but I will say. And I'll say it was 15 minutes to teach the quintet from West Side Story. Yep, that's true. And when I tell you it was 15 minutes, I mean, if it was 15 minutes, that's being generous. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, like, those kids are there for it. That's, that's the thing that we actually had a discussion about it at our meeting this morning. Once you can latch onto the idea that everyone is there to do the same thing, which is put on the best show possible... It is so much easier to work with every kind of personality. I agree. It is so much easier to say, oh, this person's being crazy because they want to do the best show possible. And if they're being crazy and, like, you're disagreeing with them, you're only disagreeing because you have a different opinion about how you get from point A to point B. Right. It's not that you want to get to point B and they don't. It's just you have different ideas about how to do it. And so so it's easy to go, okay, it's fun. It's going to be fun. We're going to take... And honestly, if I said that, it's probably because I thought that my shows were just not going to happen. And so I constantly am telling other people what I need to hear. Right. So, you're going to be okay. I'm speaking to myself also because well, it's crazy out here. And it's such a weird, like... And again, we I've, I've said it before. You show up and you hear about Frenchwoods or you read about it. And you it it's pointless to read about or try and do your research on because until you're literally in the middle of it, it makes no sense. And it's one of those things that you hear about. And, like, I remember talking to you and a couple other people and you were like, yeah, you get about 10 days to put a show on and we don't really cut anything. There's certain ages that don't want to cut anything. And I was like, oh, that's fine, like, junior versions of shows. And then you're like, no, no, we did, like, uh, Les Mis and Miss Saigon and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I'm sorry, you're saying these shows don't make sense to me. And you show up at rehearsal and you realize that, like, you have eight days, you're exactly right, to put on West Side Story, to put on Les Mis, to put on Saigon. 
Um, I think a couple years ago, we I was so excited to work on Bullets Over Broadway, and I realized that I have eight days to work on Bullets Over Broadway. So I was like, this is going to be great. But we only get them for two yeah. hours, and it's Bullets Over Broadway. So you're like, well, off yeah, we go. So we'll like, see I what happens. That's the thing that makes it so unbelievably insane, is that, like, so eight days, honestly, it would be a really crazy process, but eight days is plenty of time. If you have eight days of, like, a 40-hour work week. Right. We don't. Like, that is, it's the two hours, two to sometimes three hours a day that makes it just, you're like, wait, you're kidding. What do you mean? Yeah. Three hours a day. Plus, they're all, it's not like these kids have three hours a day of rehearsal and then they have all the other time to go and, like, study their lives. And go right. Like, no, they're doing 17 million other things. They're riding courses. They're building things in woodshop. They're playing video games. They're learning how to do circuit apps. Like, it, I think that I have a high capacity for what can go on in my brain at one time, but I don't know if there's enough medication in the world for me to be able to handle it as a camper. No. Because as a counselor, it's already crazy enough. Well, right. Like, uh, but ahead. And then you're also like, trying to make sure your kids don't get bucked off a horse and break their arm or, you know, screw their finger into a piece of wood. Like, there's, you know, Absolutely. there's so many different things oh, that... I was an... Go ahead. I was an awful bunk counselor. Oh, me too. I, like, just yeah. By the end of the summer, I forget, oh, who was my, who was my person? No, it switched towards the end of the summer, so I don't remember who my head counselor was. But he came in one day and he kind of got on to me for sleeping during my free period because, you know, you're not supposed to sleep in the bunk if the kids, like, that whole thing. And I, he was like, you can't, you can't come in here and take naps. And I was like, we have two options. Either I come in here and take this nap, and, like, I'm tolerable to be around, or I don't take this nap, and it, the alternative is not great either. <laughs> <laughs> it's so and true, though. Like, okay, okay, just let's be a little bit more savvy about how we're napping in the bunk. And I said, got it, let's do this. But it's it's so true. I, I was a bunk counselor my first year, too, and it's literally like, you get up at 7.15, and you're lucky if you're in bed by 10.30 and asleep. But then there's the staff yeah. meetings, and then there's the evening activities that run late, and then there's acoustic festival, and like all of these things that you've got to figure out how to manage while taking care of 12 kids, while trying to teach a musical in eight days, while dress rehearsing, mm-hmm. and teaching piano lessons and voice lessons oh. and whatever else you teach. Absolutely. It's so insane. And I suffer as most, I feel like a lot, I will say most, but like a lot of theater people suffer from some insomnia. Yeah. Um, do you know where I do that? I have insomnia and I have no problem going to sleep. I always have trouble getting up. Getting up but like, oh, yeah. Me too. No problem falling asleep. French would. Hands down, I never, like, I would, my, my head would hit the pillow and I would be done. See, I agree with you. But then, it, exactly, but then you set that alarm in the morning and I couldn't have kicked it so far across the room so I don't have to wake up. I, I am known for uh, just how many alarms I can sleep through. Yep. Um... My my best friend, I when I'm working on the north side of town in Atlanta, I will stay with one of my friends because she has a house that is much closer to rehearsals. Um, 
and her husband the other day, he said, I have never seen someone with a, with their phone like buzzing and ringing six inches from their face and then be just peacefully asleep. Yeah. And he said, but then at the same time, somebody's phone is on vibrate in their purse during rehearsal and you can't go on because it's getting on your nerves. Yeah. Listen, it's deal with it. So how does that make any sense? Well, now we have this new technology with Alexa and Google that I can set my alarms and then... The alarm that is usually defined as used with adjectives and adverbs of quantity or extent. Hold. To the extent or degree indicated. Keep talking to you right the now. Adjective that That's is hilarious. Is used to indicate a person, place, that is hysterical. Thing, or I may keep this in because it's funny. Before, present, or as well-known or characteristic. Okay. Thank you, Alexa. Oh, no. When you have only me, when you have those devices, you <laughs> you um now I can lay in bed and just tell it to be quiet. Like I don't even have to get up. That's the other problem. Exactly. So I mean, well, and that's the thing is I sleep with my phone literally like maybe six inches from my head. Yep, me too. I put my phone in my bed with me because I'm always so concerned because I've tried the whole setting an alarm and putting my phone on the other side of the room. No, I just won't get up. Right. I'm really hard to get out of bed. But it's, well, in our profession too, like if I'm setting an alarm and I don't wake up for that alarm, I have either gone late to a rehearsal, missed a rehearsal, been late for a show, like whatever it is. Cause sometimes, you know, you get those days where you're like, I have to nap before the show or I'm not getting through the show. And then you miss yeah. that first alarm and you're like, mother F, are you serious? Oh, it's, um, I just had this conversation a couple of weeks ago with, um, I actually believe it was with Autumn Hurlbert that I was talking with the, with yes. her about it. Um, I actually, full disclosure, this is so embarrassing and I'm telling the entire world. Um, so when we, recorded the new spot for Elf at City Springs. Um, I woke up that morning to silence. And if I wake up to silence, it's bad. Something's (laughs) wrong. I already know that it's bad. Because if it's silent, it means I have slept through everything. (laughs) Um, And I looked out at my phone and I was like, yeah, I was supposed to do it at 7.30. No. And I sure did. I missed. I missed recording for the news that day. Luckily, I was playing Keys Three, so all it meant was that there was no no vibraphone in the song that that morning. Um, but I told her I was like, if I wake up to peace and quiet, which is what happened that morning, I've overslept something. No yep. questions asked, and it's a horrible feeling. Oh, it's awful. Because, like, what do you say? It's not even an excuse, like, that you can use anymore as an adult. Like, as a kid, I was like, I overslept, and I like my sleep. As an adult, you're like, well... Well, well, and it's so funny, because I forget who it was that said it to me. They were like, so what did you tell them? And I was like, I told them that I overslept. What do you mean, what did I tell them? (laughs) What else do you think I can say? Because I don't have the, like, frame of mind when I wake up. And I realized that I have such an obligation to be like, yeah, so uh, 
other than that, like, my car wouldn't start. I don't play that game. Yeah, no. It's I, t- I just don't have the kind of personality where I can lie because I feel too guilty about it. And, like, you gotta pick it, too, because I can't use the my car wouldn't start. I just got a new car. So, like, if my car doesn't start, we have really big problems. Like, I just need a new car altogether or Absolutely. need to take it back or whatever. Exactly. So, I can't do that. And I just I just got a new car as well. So, it's like, I'm not, well, it's not new, new, but it's new to me. Um, so, I can't use it either. And I'm like, but I just don't have, I would so much, I tell people this literally all the time. I would rather you be a horrible person and not be on time to things and, like, no, that's not true. I wouldn't prefer that you be that way. But at least if I know what you're doing and who you are, and if you're like, yeah, I overslept this morning, then I can be like, okay, that person overslept. Maybe we shouldn't hire them for the job where they have to be up early in the morning. And I say that for myself. Right. Everyone out there that's listening, I'm not great. Don't hire me for your kids' shows. <laughs> if you, I have to do a show before noon, it's, it's going to be touch and go for a minute. I'm with you. I'm with you. It, like, well, and I also, early on in the career when I was in my early teens, if I slept in or slept through or whatever, this is so terrible, I can't believe I'm admitting this, but whatever. Um, I... <laughs> I I got nervous. I didn't want to be like I slept in, so I would, like, have all these crazy excuses, and it got to a point where I started killing off family members, and I was like, this is not good. I've got to stop. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I can only kill yeah. off the aunt that I don't have 16 times. Like, I, we're done. I can't. So finally, I was like, I slept well, in. I, it's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, and I also, I don't make it a habit of oversleeping things, and normally I'll make it, but, like, it's happened twice in the past year, and I'm not proud of it. Um, although, the last time it happened, it was because I took a nap. Not because I went to bed, but I also had just flown in that morning from school to be there. So, they were, a little, they were forgiving. They understood. Naps will get you. The next season, so... I'm telling it you. It wasn't too bad. Um... But I'm trying to oversleep less. Those n- those naps are what gets you. I'm telling you, it's bad. So I want to ask you some questions about um, the hip and the new. I like to say it that way. I don't like to say it that way because I've never said it that way before. So I don't know why I just said that. But I want to know <laughs> what <laughs> what your first Broadway show was. What do you remember? What show you saw on Broadway for the first time? My first Broadway show was The Drowsy Chaperone. Yes. Um, and it was for my 15th birthday, so it was a long time ago. Um, and I think, I want to say, Jeff uh, Level was still in the show. Um, Sutton Foster was not, but it was Ginny Momana. Who oh, was yeah. a brilliant uh, Janet Vandergraaf. And... We sat in the second row. Oh, wow. My grandmother had gotten tickets, like, last second, and I'm, I don't know how she got them, but we sat in the second row, um, and it was, I mean, it was incredible. That's awesome. And um, I actually, when Beth Level was in Atlanta at the Alliance for Took Everlasting back in 2014, I think, um, no, it was 2015, and... Um, I 
was at the Alliance to meet Rachel Potter. We were meeting at the Alliance, and so I was, like, walking through the lobby of the Alliance, and there was this, like, grouping of chairs. Because I don't, I don't know if you've ever been to the Alliance, but the lobby is essentially a square around, like, all of the offices and everything in the center of the building. Oh, cool. If you've seen the new, uh, I think it's, oh, crap, what's the TV channel that it comes on? I don't know. There's a new TV show called The Resident. That um, filmed much of the lobby scenes at the hospital. I filmed in the lobby of the line. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, okay, but it's like a little, it's a little square. And so I was walking around this little square because there was this woman sitting in these seats that I wanted to sit in, but like I would, I don't know. I, it was weird. Um, so then I go and I'm sitting in the seats because then like I've made a lap around the building. When I come back, she's gone, so I'm sitting in the seats. And then like ten minutes later, this woman comes out and she's like. Oh no, I lost my glasses. I can't find them. Um, and I'm sitting in the chair where she was sitting, and she was like, Are they in the chair? And I said, Oh no, and not recognizing who it was. And then a few weeks later, when I came back to the show, and Beth was in the show now, because at that point, Carolee Carmelo was still playing the role of Ma. That's right. May. I, don't, I don't know what that is, the character is. Um, I was like, Oh my God. I met her <laughs> because that was the lady that lost her glasses. Yeah. And I didn't even get to be like, I met, I, you were, you were, I thought I met first Broadway show. Like I didn't even get to have that moment because <laughs> I didn't even realize that it, that I was meeting her because I was on the phone with Rachel and I'm 90% sure that she might've been lost. So I was like trying to get her to the theater and so crazy. That's um, funny. Yeah, that was my first show. She's a great, great person. She was actually on the podcast a couple seasons ago, and I'll see her in a couple weeks. I'm going to see the prom, so I'm very excited. But she's oh, fun. she's so funny. She literally there, always there, plays. There's a there's a woman in that show from Atlanta. Really? When they premiered it here. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, that's so awesome. She <laughs> she's very funny and very sweet. So I I love her dearly. That's so funny. Yeah, she's amazing. What is the best advice that you've been given? Um, probably from Rachel Potter, actually. Uh, and she said it to me years ago, and I still say it to this day. I say it to everyone in my life that ever needs to hear it. Um, and it's some variation of what's meant to be yours will be yours, and what's not meant to be like is is not yours. Like you'll get what's coming to you, mm-hmm. and that sounds so negative, but like, in a positive way, what's meant uh, what's meant to be yours will not pass you by. Ah, okay. And I think more how the saying goes, um, and it just is sort of a great way to. I use it in all aspects of my life. That's so awesome. I love that, and love love. Yeah, that. it's really it's just sage advice when you're feeling crazy, which. I frequently am feeling crazy. Yeah. Have you ever been given bad advice? Have I ever gotten bad advice? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've always been kind of like a glass half full Mm -hmm. kind of person. So I don't necessarily, I don't. I wouldn't say I've ever been given bad advice. I've been given advice that I took that, like, 
I'm hindsight, I'm like, you know what? I wouldn't do this. <laughs> it was a little bit of a stressful. Right. But I also am so, like, everything is a learning experience. Right. Um, maybe in 15 years, I'll be like, you know what? There were a couple, I got some, I got some stickers. But by now, I got, I try to learn from everything, even if it's not a great experience. All right, that's fair. I'll give you that one. Um, what, if you were not doing what you're doing right now, what would you do? Um, that's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, I actually, uh, it's loaded only because I have literally no clue. Okay. Um, I mean, I did like the thing when I was at, I feel like every child who went on to become an actor or have some career in Mostly the theater. I won't say it's as true for TV film because usually those people are not quite as dramatic as the theater people. But I wanted to be a lawyer. Oh, um, wow. So that, like, honestly, I'm pulling a memory from maybe, like, the fourth grade. I was like, I want to be a lawyer. I'm not even knowing what that means. Um, and then, I mean, that's kind of the only other job that I can say that I wanted to do mm-hmm. um because I feel like especially being a music director there are so many facets to what we do that if I wasn't a music director there are other things within music that I could still do right um like I wanted to be a choir teacher for a little bit when I was in high school but that's literally just music direction with choral music right yeah <laughs> um so, I mean, I mean, maybe, I guess, I guess maybe that answer, I would probably want to be in education in some way, music education. Um, okay. Because I don't know if I could ever, like, not have music be a part of my everyday. Actually, I do know that. I did it for six months in 2011, and it was miserable. So I was like, nope, can't do this again. Yeah, I mean, I, God, music is such a weird thing in that I'm... Currently, for this year, I'm a, a fifth grade special education assistant, which is really fun. But I also don't know mm-hmm. that that's all I could do. I've been doing a ton of theater all over Virginia and Syracuse and whatever. But I feel like if that was the only thing I did, I don't know that that would be acceptable for me. Because <laughs> I, I think music yeah. has just run my life for so long that to drop it cold turkey is, like, dumb. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Well, no, for sure. And I mean, I started music directing. I got really lucky. And there was a community theater that I had grown up doing shows with that when I turned 15, their music director for the company was leaving. And they asked me if I wanted to do, uh, they were doing a, like a, a Disney kids show. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, or maybe it wasn't just in kids. Maybe it was junior. Yeah, I think it was junior. And they were like, would, would you want to do this? And I was like, sure. And then the next musical was Beauty and the Beast. Um, um, so I was working at a summer camp with the director. And I said, who are you Who are you thinking about having music direct Beauty and the Beast? Literally not the like, hey, I'm here. Let me music. It was, I was genuinely thinking, oh, they're going to let me do this junior show, and then they're going to bring in an adult. Right. Um, 
And she was like, well, actually, if things go well with Beauty, we were probably going to have you do it. Oh, wow. And I was like, like, broken neck, just like, what do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so, I mean, music directing has been a part of my life for almost 12 years. Yep. So, at this point, almost half of my life. Mm -hmm. So, it's not even just like, because music has been a part of my life for almost 20 years. Right. Like, and by that, I mean, I've been in music lessons or like, doing things of that nature for 20 years. But even before that, I was, like, messing with the piano all the time right. and singing in church choir. And then but music direction has been a part of my life for almost half of my life. So it's like, I just don't... There's no world that exists without, without knowing. having music in it in some way. I'm with you. Absolutely. Yeah. So... <laughs> What is a show that you've done the most? I know us music directors always have that one show that someone calls you and you're like, oh my God, again. But it's a show that you can also do in your sleep, so it's like easy money. What is your show? Uh, it's Les Mis, actually. Oh God, I could never do that in my sleep no I matter have, what. <laughs> I have done it five times. Um, oh my God. And every time I've done the show, I've done something different. Yep. Um... Because it was one, of, it was the one that I was in in high school. I okay. did sparks in high school once my freshman year, and then I did it again my sophomore year. Um, and then I it was like my first keyboard programming job. Yep. And I also played in the pit for a production of it. And then oh, before that, I went back and was the rehearsal pianist for a production of it. Um, and then I assistant music directed it at the Springer Opera House in Columbus, Georgia, the year before. Maybe it was, yeah, no, it was the year, the winter before my first summer at Frenchwood. That's so funny. I remember, God, I... And I... You what? Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to... Don't you don't you love it though when you get to do a show that's just so easy and that you've done it so many times that it's not a ton of work and you've done it so many times that you can now do different things with it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean it's honestly it's one of those shows that to this day I can like I can go and see a production of it at any theater. I could go and see a production of it today. And if one person said one if they like changed one pronoun Yep. Or anything like that. Like, I would know. I'm gonna, I would be able to tell you, and I could probably tell you close to the measure number. Like, I just know that show, like, the back of my hand. I also, that is the reference point for all metronome markings for me. Because I know what the metronome markings are for that score. Yep. So if you're like, hmm, what's 126? I know that that's at the end of the day. That's (laughs) funny. I know what at the end of the day feels like. So I can get pretty close to 126. That's brilliant. And that, I can give you, like, a close to 88, because I know that's what on my own is. Right. Or at least that's what it was when we did it. Um, yeah, it's, I love that show. That's funny. I have three of them. My three. And they're ridiculous shows, because they would never be, I don't, anyways, whatever. I've done The Wiz 14 times. 
I've done, true story, I've done Once on this Island 11 times, and I've done Legally Blonde mm-hmm. 9 times, but I will be doing it in the spring, so that'll be 10. Wow, that is so many times. And I'm like, whatever. So it's oh now word. it's now become like, if the whiz is being done, people are like, oh, are you doing the whiz? I'm like, no, I'm not. I don't live in that state, but thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. Um, Crazy. God, I love that, I though. thought I had a lot at my five times, having done Les Mis. Well, it's all... I do a lot of children. I, do, I mean, I've done a lot of children's theater, too. So in children's theater, you have, like, 45 different casts. So it's, like, 45 different shows, but it's still the totally. same show. So it's well, all that nonsense. What is the hardest yeah. lesson you've had to learn in this industry? Hardest lesson? Yeah. I think, well, it kind of goes back to the whole, what's yours is not going to pass you by. Sometimes you can be right for a show, but not right for the production. Right. So, like, so when I, the summer of 2011, I believe, actually, so I was fairly recently out of high school, um, I went in for a production of Spring Awakening in Atlanta. And okay. this was, I had just gone in for, they had just done their first, like, uh, local auditions for the Book of Mormon tour and the Broadway production and all that. Um, and I had gone in, and the casting director, when I came in, he was like, oh my gosh, you are so perfect for Spring Awakening. I hate that we didn't see you when we were casting it on Broadway, because, like, you probably would have been in that show. Oh my and I was God. like, don't say that to me because I wanted to come to the auditions when you were here in 2008. Oh, my God. I wasn't allowed to go. Um, But so I went in for this production a little while after that, and it didn't happen, and I was very confused. I was like, what do you mean? I'm perfect for this show. And then it was a couple of weeks later that I was in New York for the same role as Brian Charles Johnson, who created the role that I ended up playing in 2013 in Spring Awakening. Oh, wow. So... Knowing the difference between being right for a role in a show or a project, now that I'm more, now that I'm not performing, but I'm used to dressing, knowing that, like, my skills are right for a particular show, but not necessarily that production, because right. maybe they want something different. Um, and just sort of humbling myself when I don't get something that I'm like, but I know that I'm perfect for that. Yeah. <laughs> just knowing that it just, it means something else is coming, always. Don't you hate that, though? Someone said that to me the other day, and I was like, I actually just want to punch you in the throat for that sentence, but thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, sometimes I don't need such, like, clear, rational thinking. Sometimes I need to just be crazy. Yeah, just let me be crazy, and then I'll be fine. I'm usually a glass-half-full person anyway, so let me just have my crazy, and then we can talk. That's totally. Funny. Um, so you get to sit in on auditions all the time. What are some common mistakes that you can encourage um, high schoolers going into college, college coming out of, you know, coming out of college? What do you encourage people to do in the audition room? Um, I could write a book <laughs> on what not to do and what to do mm-hmm. in an audition room. Um, I think sort of my bottom line is always there's no one 
that can set you up for more success in your audition than you. Right. Um, and so it's, oh God, what are the, like, what are the bullet points? Always get with a pianist before you go into an audition. If you're not a, if you're not a pianist yourself or you're not confident enough in your ability to articulate what you need the pianist to know to play for you. So true. Um, Because there's nothing more frustrating to me than, because I always, when someone comes in for an audition, I'll be like, hey, uh, can you just sing some of it for me? And then they'll like halfway sing something and I'm like, no, I need you to sing the part that tells me what the tempo is. So I don't need you to sing this really long (laughs) sustained note. I need you to find the part that's tempo so that I know how to play for you. Because I consider myself a pretty solid audition accompanist and so if I'm not doing something right, it either means one of two things. You didn't tell me what you wanted to do tempo-wise, or you were not correct when you gave me your tempo. You just gave me a tempo and then got up and did something different. Right. Or I can't read your sheet music. Yep. <laughs> and, like, not, like, sometimes not difficult to read, and not in the sense that, like, it's a bad copy, but, like, it's not the right arrangement for me to be able to play well for you. Right. Sometimes playing from the piano conductor score is the best option. Sometimes music notes has a better version that's easier to play because it has the chords and maybe it's a song that I need to be able to like comp a little bit more rather than play the melody line with you and that sort of thing. So I think, and then what, and then one of my other things, oh gosh, I'm telling you, I could literally write a book. I should, maybe I'll start working on that. Um, you should uh, make eye contact <laughs> with your pianist when you leave, um, and always just like as you're as you're thanking the pianist for playing for you, if they didn't do something for you, automatically be thinking they did everything they could. Right. Yep. <laughs> everything they could to help me, because that is the thing that gets me the most. I when I played those GTC pre-screens. Um, the amount of kids who just would not make eye contact with me because they felt I had done something wrong for them. And I was like, listen, kid, I am a solid audition accompanist, and if I can't play for you, it's because of, like, you did something crazy. Right. Yep. That's so true. Um, so, and then just, the thing that I'm noticing the most recently is, don't, I, I feel like there's such an emphasis on, like, catering the audition to a particular show, and that's probably because I work more regionally, and so you're always auditioning for a show, where I would, honestly, even if we're doing hair, I would rather you sing something, or, like, I just was like, we're doing hair at Therambi. Um <laughs> No, uh, so, like, for hair at Therambi. In particular, this is not any. This is not about anyone. I would rather somebody come in and sing something that maybe they wouldn't consider right for hair. Like maybe if they came in and sang like Jekyll and Hyde, or not Jekyll and Hyde, but like <laughs> just something of that nature. Yeah, like, absolutely. That's not really right for hair, but if it's your best audition, that's what I want to see. Right, I agree. I just want to see people come in and do their best. And then, because we're going to fill in those holes already. Right. You And it, only if you're, like, going against type 
do I think you should go in and like cater the audition to a specific role? Right. Because we're going to, we're going to do that. That's what we're there doing anyways. Right. When I said to someone the other day who asked me, don't reinvent the wheel. I mean, if that's all you have, that's all you have. Go for it. And it's better to go with something than not go at all. Absolutely. Well, because the other thing is people get nervous and they maybe, they maybe don't perform quite as well as they wanted to because they were trying to remember the words. Right. Do what you know. Do what you know because you know that you do it well and do what you like to do. Don't sing stuff because someone's telling you to. Do what you like to do. Yep. When I feel like you and I have coached and vocal directed and whatever taught for a long enough time, one of the things that I'm realizing is a problem for me. And I think though we're a few years apart, I think we came from the same school in that you have six songs in your binder that you do really, really well, like really well. There's no need to add stuff in there because of this specific audition. So one of the things that I'm noticing is people add these songs and you know, as a college student or as a high school student taking acting lessons and voice lessons, I worked for two to three months on a song and how to tell the story and interpret and to sell it, that adding another song last minute when I have an audition tomorrow, though you can sing it really well, though you can belt, though you can hit all the notes, that doesn't mean your story's there. As much as you feel like you are an incredible storyteller and can learn something in a day, I personally can tell when you've just learned a song. That's just me. Absolutely. Oh, no, you always can. You always can. Unless it's somebody who, like, is genuinely that brilliant, which that happens, too. The, right. There are um, a few. But, like, that's kind of the exception to the rule. That's not the standard. Um, so, no, I agree. I think and that's kind of my other biggest thing is you have to be connected to what you're thinking about because especially at the regional level everyone can sing yep everyone can sing we are only interested in whether or not you're telling a story right exactly because there there were some people that came in to this most recent round of auditions at therapy that have incredible voices like voices that caused me to yank my head up and be like what was going on because it was good right but not telling any story and somebody who was a singer who like kind of acted on the side it's I I relate I'm like no I want to show you that I can sing the best but if you can sing the best that, that that's not taken away because you decide to start telling a story right I agree this if is you why I like the you. best you're still singing the best and we're still going to find that out yep so, like, if you ever need an assistant, I'm here. We'll travel for food and music. <laughs> well, and things are getting crazy within the Brian Cloudus universe. And so I'm, I'm going, I'm starting to go through my list of people that can assist and not even just assist, but that can take projects that I'm just not, because I'm still in school as well. So right. I'm not physically able to be places all the time. <laughs> Well, listen, you know my number, so I'm I'm ready. I sure do. So I want to play a game with you. I know it's getting close to the hour, but I wanted to um, play a really quick game with you just to let our listeners get to know you on a more personal level. I know we've done the professional speak, so now I want to do a little bit of a personal thing, and then we'll do our send-off and all that good stuff. 
Cool. So I'm going to do a rapid fire game. I want to know the first thing that comes to your mind. You ready? Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. Favorite color? Favorite color? Yep. Green. Favorite candy? Oh, no, this is really bad. Um, I got Sour Patch Kids or Reese's. If I'm in, like, a chocolate mood, it's Reese's. If I want something, like, green, it's a Sour Patch Kids. Love it. Favorite candy? Oh, uh, shoot, I asked that. Favorite TV show? Favorite TV show? Oh, my God. Uh, oh... A really, like, hard toss-up between Grey's Anatomy and Desperate Hotline. Yep, there you are. Favorite pre-show meal? Favorite pre-show meal? Um, whatever I can get my hands on. Touche. Favorite post-show meal? Same answer. Just kind of, usually I need something, like, kind of fried and probably a little beer. Okay. Favorite show currently running on Broadway? Uh, what do I love? Um, I mean, full disclosure, I'm obsessed with Frozen just because I love anything Disney. And I was, I was, a full, full disclosure, I was prepared to hit on that show because I was like, it's, there's no way it's going to be as good. And then I got that soundtrack and played it on repeat for a week. Oh, it's beautiful. It's so brilliant. And I love it. Um, favorite go-to musical genre? go-to musical genre. Um, for, for me as a singer, it's, I, I live in a, like, Joey Contreras, uh, Scott Allen realm. That's where my voice sits very nicely. As a music director, pretty much anything I can get my hands on because yep. I love having something that maybe is not my... Like, I, if I... My go-to would probably be, like, something contemporary... But I love having, like, a Titanic and have, being able to explore that more, like, classic Broadway sound with, like, real sopranos that can sing sometimes these four days. That's super exciting, too. Mm-hmm. I love that. What is your favorite movie? My favorite movie? Oh, my word. Um... I don't know. Oh, um, for the longest time, my answer to this question was um, Spanglish with Adam Sandler. Okay. I don't know why, but like for years, that's what I used to say. But actually, I have to say, I saw Love, Simon. Okay. And that movie kind of changed my life. That was the movie where I was like, okay, I have to start writing something because I just felt so inspired by that story. And I was like, I would love for there to be some sort of Musical, not necessarily, not like a musical last Simon, but a similar story about the gay experience mm-hmm. in a yep. musical. But also this feels very, because obviously prom is sort of in that vein, but prom still feels very different from what we're currently brewing on our end. Well, I'm excited. <laughs> oh God, it's a teaser and I can't wait. What is your favorite old school Broadway show? favorite old school Broadway show. Oh, man. I love, I love Carousel. I think it's mm. just such a gorgeous show and it was, it's my first project in Hammerstein that I got to music direct and it's just stunning. It's a great score. Oh, so beautiful. Favorite guilty pleasure snack? Um, all my snacks are guilty pleasures because I shouldn't have any of them. <laughs> 
I'll take it. I'll take it. That's so funny. Favorite holiday? Um, I, I'm actually, I really am not a fan of holidays. Um, but if I had to pick one, maybe New Year's. Okay. New Year's. Favorite season, summer, spring, winter, or fall? Uh, probably fall. I like fall. Because it's, it's not too hot, not too cold. It's true. Summer's awful. Awful. Summers are crazy. Favorite coast, East Coast or West Coast? Well, I've never been to the West Coast. Oh my gosh. So, East Coast. Okay. Favorite vacation spot? What's a vacation? Okay, touche. I'll give that one to you. That's a good one. Well, I guess the only vacation spot that I've ever really done is, like, the beach. And I love the beach. Okay. Um, I could get down to the beach. I have my final question, and it's in three parts. You ready? Mm-hmm. What is your dream role that you have already played, a dream role that you are currently right for and want to play, and a dream role that, like, 15, 20 years down the road, you must play? Gender, non-gender specific. Totally. Um, role that I've already played... Um, was probably... I mean, like, I'll probably never get to do it again, but... I feel like I was a real fierce Jean Valjean in Les Mis when I was 15. Yes. Um, it was just, I mean, like, it, I, I keep coming back to that show. But it's, it's just a really stunning score, and I feel very grateful to have been allowed to sing it. And by sing it, I mean scream. Um, <laughs> favorite role? <laughs> dream role for now? I don't know. Or, like, dream show to music direct, I guess. I mean, like, ragtime is a pretty big uh, sort of bucket list show Mm -hmm. that I'll get to check off in the spring. So I'm excited to do that. It feels, I feel like it's going to, when I get to the other side, I'm going to feel very accomplished at the end of it. Okay. Um, And then role that I would like to play in 15 years, um, we were just talking about this the other day with my best friend because um, they're doing hairspray yes. in Atlanta this summer. And I was like, why can't they just wait another 10 or 15 years? Because I'm going to be a really great Edna in hairspray one day. You will. I do not disagree. <laughs> like, I cannot wait. It's going to be so sassy. That's so awesome. Sir, this has been so much fun to catch up and has been so much fun to realize that even after all these years, we are so similar in our craft and in our industry and the same level of respect. And I'm so thankful that you took some time to chat with me. It's been so fun. Yeah, I'm glad we were able to find a time. Our schedules are crazy, but I'm so thankful that you made a little bit of time for me. Yes, agreed. Thanks for having me. Oh, I appreciate it. I would love to let you... Uh, plug everything that you have Twitter, Instagram, Facebook whatever else you want to tell us website I want our listeners to be able to follow you yeah. and work with you and all that good stuff yeah so I'm at Chris Brent Davis my name all, all three of them I'm at Chris Brent Davis on all of my social media accounts I think I don't know I, I know for sure Instagram and I think Facebook if you give me, me on Instagram you can find me on Facebook okay fair um, I think it's at Chris Brent Davis. I should be better about this. 
but that's just fine. Um, and then, yeah, I'm at Sandy Playhouse next season. Um, I'll be there till the end of time. Uh, we're doing some really great stuff, though. We have some potential people that we're, we have in the works trying to get down for this season. But Awesome. I think are really exciting, and I'm like, well, I don't know if I'm going to be able to rehearse because I'm just going to have my jaw on the floor the whole time. <laughs> So, well, that's awesome. You'll have to let me know when your shows are. I would love to try and come see them. Yes, of course. Or work on them. Oops, sorry, that slipped out. My bad. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you, I don't know if your theater does this, but do you have any place that people can send stuff for submissions for your seasons? Um, I, so Bender Casting out of New York is doing um, our casting this season, so... I'm not sure exactly who a person is that they should be sending stuff to. That's okay. And depending on, I'm not sure when this is going to come out either. So, um, I know that they could, I would just say check the sandyplayhouse.com website. Um, you said, the, I don't know what, that's not the name of that website. It's www.sandyplayhouse.com. Can you spell it? Um, and then, that will have information about who to contact. Okay. I'm not sure if it's the person at Serenby or if it's the person at Bender. Can you spell the name of your theater? Serenby, yes. It's S-E-R-N-B-E. So it's like if you were going to spell serene, but then you put a B before the last E. www.serenby, S-E-R-E-N-B, dot com? E, yep. Yeah, awesome. uh, S-E-R-E-N-D-E. Perfect. Awesome. I'm so, so appreciative. Everybody, follow Chris Brent Davis on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Go to com to see what's happening in his neck of the woods and check back and check on all of his accounts because you don't want to miss this. And if you get a chance to work with him, you are in incredible, incredible hands. Pun intended, because you're a pianist. Well done, Roy George. Oh, thank you. You, sir, are a legend, a myth, and an amazing person, and I am so thankful that you took some time to chat with us today. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate you, and I will talk to you soon, yeah? Yes, for sure. All right. Take care of yourself, bud, and I'll talk to you soon, and have a great holiday season if I don't get to talk to you before then. You too. All right. Bye, buddy. Thank you.